In today's episode, we have a very, very special guest. Dr. Glauberman is a world-renowned clinical psychologist. And by the way, we're processing information peripherally all the time, but we just don't label it as such. There is more known about the way our bodies and minds work and what we should be doing to take advantage of all of this information. Actually give us a definition of like what emotional intelligence is. And people in this culture are chronically sleep deprived. If you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? You're going to go through some rough times. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Skies podcast and channel. I am your host, Tony Massad. In today's episode, we have a very, very special guest. We have Dr. Lloyd Glauberman. Dr. Dr. Glauberman is a world-renowned clinical psychologist and inventor who has been in private practice for over 25 years. After years of working with audio technology to help people accomplish meaningful changes in their thoughts, feelings and behaviors. He recently coined the term lifestyle intelligence, LQ for short, and created a widely available app that guides users along a clear pathway towards balanced, healthy living in daily three-minute segments. This cutting-edge system involves a unique psychoeducational approach to building and maintaining a positive ecosystem for a healthy lifestyle. Uh, Dr. Lo- Dr. Glauberman or Lloyd, it's it, Honor to have you on the show. Thanks for being on. Please just, my if you could start from just the day you were born till the point you are now, just give us your background, your story. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the short version. Uh, I, I'm, I'm an older fellow. Grew up in the fifties and the sixties. The idea of being a psychologist never occurred to me. I, didn't, I don't even think it was on the radar because I never knew so something like that existed when I was growing up. Uh, went to college in Boston, got, this is during the 1960s when things were really interesting, was exposed to a whole bunch of different ideas, decided at that point that uh, psychology was something I'm interested in and, and decided to pursue. After that, I applied to graduate school, got my doctorate from Syracuse. Wow. And the work that I did there has absolutely nothing to do with the work I'm doing now. But it was interesting because of who I was working with. I had the opportunity as a graduate student to participate in a training program to teach police officers how to break up family disputes, which is something most individuals are unaware cops actually do. Because when you think about a police officer, you think about the things that are in the news, but you rarely think about something as profoundly important as the integrity of a family. And they get a lot of calls and it's extremely dangerous. Mm. So I had the opportunity of working with police and it was absolute joy to, to be with those guys and to understand what they're doing and to um, basically find out what the, the real world of cops was about. After I graduated, then I decided, okay, I wanna go into private practice. And so I did what everybody does. You, get an office and I started working. And uh, along the way, I was taking a whole bunch of different kinds of workshops to try to get a handle on what is going to be unique for me. What can I do to add to the traditional mix to make what I am presenting to my clients a little more, more interesting? Hypnosis was something that everybody is fascinated about. Mm-hmm. So I went about taking workshops and learning a bunch of stuff. It's far, the thing about that is, People have hypnosis misconstrued as some some kind of interesting mind-controlled stuff when, in fact, the state of consciousness that people are in when they're in hypnosis is something they're actually in and out of all day long but just don't know it. Whenever people get lost in fantasy thought and they don't hear people calling their name, that's a trance state. So you can use that in your practice because you can put people in and out of everyday states and they can still benefit without going through all the theatrics of what hypnosis is. It's not that that can't be useful at some point, Mm. but there are certain easier ways to use those skills. Along the way, I found something interesting. 
that I did for a very short period of time because it wasn't practical, but it was fascinating. It led into the idea of altered states of consciousness that are, that are non-drug induced can be very valuable. I got involved with flotation tanks. Mm. Now, I don't know whether float tanks are still around for most people in the communities, but in New York, there's different places where you float in a vessel that reduces sight, sound, and sensation on your body. Mm. And when there's no external sensory input, your mind begins to create sensations and visual images and sounds. That's a very profound way to relax. And I decided that I was going to experiment with flotation in my practice. Wow. So I actually purchased the tank, set it up next door to my office. And for a period of time, I actually worked with people. The problem was, while useful, completely impractical. But while I was doing that, coincidentally, I came across an interesting hypnotic technique that involved two voices at the same time. Mm. It's called the dual induction. The dual induction. Okay. Dual induction, where people hear two simultaneous inputs, one from one person talking, one from another person. It's rarely used because people are individuals, but in workshops, it can be used. I experienced it and I said to myself, this is interesting. What can I do with this? And I said, what about a series of audio programs where you can record two mm. voices, put them together, and maybe that would be interesting. And that's when I came across a concept that popped into my head one day that was an analog of peripheral vision. Now, as I said that, everybody listening immediately went to the edges of their visual field, right? And was thinking about what is there. Mm. But you were processing all of that information all the time. I just happened to draw your attention to it. What if you could do that with audio? So I began to experiment. On Sunday afternoon, I'd go to my office, lock myself in there. I bought a four-track audio machine and began to figure out ways to do this. Mm. Obviously, the first couple of times out, not very good. And I said to myself, Lloyd, really bad idea. Just junk this thing, go back to regular practice. But I hung around and eventually... I realized the best way to do this was to tell people stories. Because if there's one thing that represents who we are as individuals, as humans, it's our story. Yeah. Right? That's our sense of self. Without a story, we don't exist. Right? Mm -hmm. Ask people who suddenly get cunt on their head and have memory loss for everything that's ever happened to them. They don't exist. They're just a body talking. Right? Yeah. So the whole idea was, okay, use stories. And in this case, I ended up with fairy tales, adult fairy tales. And then I learned how to write the material and how to record the material. And I labeled it hypno-peripheral processing. Mm, to use wow. the idea of peripheral, which was a way of the way we process information. And by the way, we're processing information peripherally all the time, but we just don't label it as such. And we respond to it because so much is going on in our heads because there's a lot of noise in people's heads all the time. Right? Yeah. So in any event, hypnoperipheral processing, HPP, ended up doing really well. And that became a product that obviously I'm very proud of still talk about. So that's at one end of the consciousness spectrum. What you're not aware of can help you make changes. You put on the phones, you hear the stories, you zone out. Because when you're listening and you hear two things simultaneously, eventually you drift away from the material in a really good way. You enter the zone in between waking and sleep called the hypnagogic state or the twilight state. The twilight state, wow. Twilight state where there are theta waves, right? These in between, there you're most receptive. So, okay, in this particular product, we, took, we can now take advantage of a skill set that we have we didn't know. Okay. So obviously I had these available. I used them in my practice. Became something that was very important as an adjunct to what I was doing in therapy with people, and it just in addition to selling to the public. Hmm. Fast forward to the last couple of years, and I began to think, okay, this is nice, but what else have I learned that can be useful? All right. So one of the things that I'm personally involved with is taking care of myself, health-related stuff. 
Yeah. And we're at a point in time when that's become imperative that we all pay attention to, right? Mm. But the interesting thing is, and if you, let me just digress for a moment. Think about the fact that in virtually every area of learning and mm -hmm. technology, everything that's happening in, in our culture, when it evolves into a more evolved state, mm -hmm. things get better for us, right? Whether it's cars being safer, whether it's head, headphones being clearer or our phones allowing us to do things so that we're to make our life easier, all of those things. Okay. Simultaneously, when it comes to the area of health and wellness, we are literally deluged with useful information. There is more known about the way our bodies and minds work and what we should be doing to take advantage of all of this information. What has happened? Nothing. We've actually gone in the opposite direction. Yeah. Right? Between now and 2030, we're going to increase the, the percentage of the population that is obese from 42%, which is a huge number, to pro the projected half the country. And this is with all of this knowledge yeah. about nutrition, about exercise, about sleep, about stress management. Everything we need to know is right in front of us all the time. What's going on? How come we don't use any of it? That's precisely. Yeah. Nobody uses that. So the question mm. is, what? So I said to myself, well, okay, Lloyd, you understand this thing. What can you do to maybe do something useful? So the first thing I did was to write an article about it, which I was published 2017 in, in the Huffington Post called when I first started to think about intelligence. Okay. And I can go back to the influences on how this came about. All right. Before 1990, mm -hmm. the concept of emotional intelligence, EQ, didn't exist. Right? Wow. All, all of the bits and pieces of emotional intelligence were there. Self-awareness, empathy, social skills, emotional control. Those were all there. Everybody knew of this, but until mm -hmm. I think it was um, John Mayer and um, Peter Salovey, two social psychologists, wrote an article in a journal called Emotional Intelligence, EQ, right? Now, it was in a journal, so the only people who ever read it were psychologists, right? This <laughs> absolutely earth, emotionally earth-shaking concept. Change our perceptions about everything. Fortunately yeah. for the concept, Dan Goleman, who was himself a psychologist, but a writer for the New York Times, and he had a huge audience, he saw this article and went, oh boy, is this a good concept? Four years later, he published Emotional Intelligence and, and it was a bestseller. Since that time, emotional intelligence was now part of the cultural vernacular. So I said to myself, wait a minute, maybe I could use this as a role model that instead of, all right, we now have IQ, we now have EQ. Well, can you, what is E? Can you like actually give us a definition of like what emotional intelligence is? It's the, it's all of those characteristics lumped together. It's empathy. It's self-awareness. It's self-awareness. To make it simple, anger management. It's motivation. It's all of those things that pr pretty much are, are covered in psychotherapy because what you're what's attempting to happen in psychotherapy is for you to become a more emotionally intelligent person, to be aware of what's going on inside you as well as being aware of what's going on around you. But emotional intelligence yeah. now had its own place in, in different bits and pieces of our lives. So I'm saying to myself, this is the perfect model. So I borrowed it from them and I said, all right, maybe the way to get people's attention to take better care of themselves is calling the things that they should be doing and intelligence because who doesn't want to be smart, right? So yeah. hence, lifestyle intelligence was born. 
And then mm. from, that, from that article, and then I said, well, okay, how do I do this? Which didn't start occurring to me until about 18 months later. So I, um, I sat down and I said, how should this be presented? How should something like that being used, given people's mm. attention span? Because as you pointed out earlier with the nobody pays any attention to it, which was how do you overcome that? So yeah. I'm not suggesting that what I have will definitely do that, but I think it's structured in the right direction so that it mm. offers opportunities by, by virtue of frequency. So instead of coming at you with a whole bunch of stuff, I come at you five days a week with three minute increments of information, mm. figure, sensation, information, motivation. The three things that are essential for you to pay attention to, to take charge of those aspects of your life. Now, one other thing to keep in that I think is important, and that is the eating, sleeping, moving, the three key elements, mm. right? They're all tied together. They're not independent of one another. And I think one of the problems when people attempt to do healthy things for themselves is that I mm. I'm going on a diet, right? Uh, I'm going on a yeah. diet or whatever, whatever it might be the diet of the day to the exclusion, yeah. not necessarily to the exclusion, but they don't understand the interactive aspects of everything, right? The key to the whole thing, if you, if you think about the single, and this is my belief, so I'm sharing my belief and people might disagree and obviously that's cool. To me, the single most important thing we do is sleep. Yes, uh, when, I've heard that you, before. You say that to people first, they're, they're thinking, well, what? I mean, what are you talking about? It's like a waste of time. Man. It's like you can't do anything while you're sleeping. Meanwhile, the stuff that goes on while you're sleeping with, with no pun intended boggle your mind if you knew the complexity and the sheer number of things that go on. But if you don't sleep enough, everything else you try to do you can't do very well, especially when it yes. comes to the other key pieces of health. You don't sleep enough. What happens to your food intake? You, have you ever ha had that happen when you don't get enough sleep? And what happens to your appetite? It, yeah, you're, uh, you're you, you don't you're not you're not as hungry and no 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 you're actually more hungry. Most oh, of the time. oh, you're more hungry. You're okay. more hungry most of the time because your brain is so tired. It needs mm. more fuel, and so but 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 it feels like real hunger. Because your brain is saying, I don't yeah. care what else is going on. I need to do my job. So here's what you're going to do. Okay. You're going to eat more. So, and people in this culture are chronically sleep deprived. And a good way to, yeah. to me, if you have, if you need an alarm clock to get up in the morning, you're sleep deprived. You, the only question is how much. Now, if it's a little bit, you can typically deal with it. If it's a half hour, maybe an hour, even that's a stretch. You can still cope to an extent, but if you're sleep, deprived two hours at night, that's 14 hours a week. That's almost two full days of sleep deprivation. That's a lot, right? Also, what happens to, yeah. you, what happens to your thinking when you're sleep deprived? Yeah, so your 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 performance is diminished. I have a quick comment. Is sure. I, I had a guest on the show. Mm -hmm. um, his name. There's an episode about it, but Tony Curtin. He's with a company called Neurozone, and okay. one of the things that he he mentioned, really smart guy. Uh, like the company was founded by a neuroscientist. Uh, one of the things they mentioned is that when you don't get enough sleep, your your overall performance at work is very cut down. And, and that may, that makes a lot of sense. And it, oh, it, it, it makes sense with what you're saying. I, I hope that everybody who was listening stored that piece of information. The only problem with that piece of information is its attention span doesn't last long enough in front of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah you can't say anything more important to anybody working in corporate America. But the point is, is that all of a sudden you say to yourself, I'll give you an example similar to what you just said and equally as important. I remember reading uh, a piece of research, I think it was published 2019, about sleep. Let me tell you my response before I tell you what it was. I said to myself, holy bleep, this piece of information is going to light up the internet. 
every human being on the face of the planet is going to take notice of this and could maybe change the direction of health. Because at mm. least from my point of view, I could not think of anything that they would grab somebody more than what I'm about to tell you. Okay, while we're asleep, I can't tell you exactly when during the process, the space spaces in between your brain cells open up. So now you have all of these channels and pathways are now free. Mm. What happens next? Cerebrospinal fluid pours into your brain. And what happens after that is your brain washes itself, cleanses ah. itself. I'll say it one more time, but with oomph, detoxifies itself. And I said to myself, mm. oh my God, if one piece of information doesn't scare the person listening into places they've never been to before, because when we think about diseases, right, we think, okay, we think heart attacks is horrible, we think cancer is horrible, strokes are horrible, but yes. cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, where you lose your sense of self, what else can be scarier yeah. than that and perhaps get you to think about this thing? Okay, what happened? <laughs> nothing, nothing. I'm the only person talking about it consistently. Wow. I can't shut up about it, it's that important. Right? Anybody comes into my office when I'm talking about, oh, by the way, and gather information about how they take care of themselves, because that's the yeah. other thing that's really important. LQ, EQ, IQ, if you don't take really good care of yourself, think about your emotional responses, right? Your yeah. and all that kind of stuff, your relationships suffer. And as we talked yeah. about before, and your intellect, you, you forget about it, you can't think. So yeah. the, the lifestyle stuff is the foundation of allowing you to maximize who you are. If you wanna, if, you wanna, if we get to the fancy psychological self-actualization terms, okay? or or in, in, in yeah. psychology's enlightenment <laughs> this is it take care of yourself so what i'm trying to do is yes. provide an instrument for people to be able to do that and uh, we shall see whether it gets any traction or not but that's that's because i know from my own experience i grew up in the 50s and the 60s where yeah healthy eating meant you had enough to eat yeah. <laughs> Sleep was something that it was annoyance that you had to do and exercise was something you did in gym. Nothing existed. Seriously. When yeah. I, nothing. My, the, the way I, I took care of myself reflected that. And it was only yeah. as bits and pieces of things took, that took hold and that I decided, you know, you got to do better than this, Lord. Hence, I'm, I'm at the forefront trying to kind of beat the bushes and get people to pay attention so they take good care of themselves because if they don't do it. And by the way, one other thing I think a way to help people think about this, especially younger adults who are in the process of having children, the children are young. Yeah. What's the most important gift you can give your children? But this, but, but this is this is me being a little bit pretentious. So let me apologize in advance. Okay. No, you're good. Okay. So, in my opinion, the most important thing. Uh -huh. Are you asking me? I'm, in general, I'm asking you and everybody. In general, else. yeah. Okay. What do you, okay. Tell me. What do you think? In my opinion, I think your full conscious attention and your presence. Okay. Within that, if you model all the right kinds of things to do to take care of yourself your kid without trying they don't need to think about what to do they will simply model what you do because if you mm -hmm. watch the way people behave right they typically model their what happens in their family both psychologically yeah. and behaviorally in terms of the way they take care of themselves you can see if you ever watched an individual who clearly has a weight problem, like a mom walking with her child, yeah. and you can see the child exactly the same shape, but just smaller. How is that? Well, the kid is unconsciously learning how much to eat, to model yes. that parent. It's, it's spooky how much of this unconscious modeling takes place in our childhood. And then we get to the point where we mm -hmm. know, like, oh my goodness, it's like you watch the same movie every night. 
You want to know what, how, what's going to be happening in somebody's life? <laughs> you can't do this, but think about you had the opportunity to watch what goes on at the dinner table in terms of yeah. psychological interactions, in terms of how f- food consumption. I mean, I grew up with, you got to finish everything on your plate because they're starving kids in Africa, as if somehow those two things fit together. How many people in my age group heard that ridiculous comment? Yeah. Right? So people ate when they learned to eat when they weren't hungry, modeled sleep based on how many hours of sleep their parents and didn't pay much attention. And yeah, what else do you need? And of course, exercise is the kind of thing where if your parents are not doing it, you're probably not going to do it. Most people end up not doing what they're doing with their parents. So yeah, I like I've, I've heard, you know, like children are like sponges, they just absorb everything. And then us humans were like natural modelers. And, uh, you know, that's what we do. We model our parents and you've probably heard the term, like the apple doesn't fall very from very fall from the tree or like father, like, like son, like mother, like daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really, um, it's really spooky to, to, to think about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> I will give you an example from my own personal experience to know how profound yeah. that can be, right? Sharing a, li- a little bit about something that when it happened, I thought my head was going to explode. I remember my wife and I were having a disagreement. And uh, of course, while I'm listening to her side of the, the argument, I'm, I'm full of myself thinking, of course, I'm right. That kind of stupid stuff. <laughs> right? And so, um, and while she's talking, I mean, this wasn't a yelling thing. This was just a, you know, a mature back and forth thing, but I'm convinced I'm right. I'm sitting across from a mirror, big mirror in the living room. So I could see my own mm-hmm. reflection. So for the first time in my life, while I was in this particular state of consciousness, I got a chance to see my face for the first time this way. Mm. And I went, oh no. What I was looking at was the one expression that my father had that I couldn't stand. And there it was on <laughs> my face. I thought at that point in time, I said, I need an exorcism. Call me a priest because I got to get this thing out. Of, I got to get this thing out of my head. I cannot believe that I actually modeled that, which is really strange because how do you model something that you're not actually, I mean, you're watching, but you're not actually watching yourself get it right. But somehow there it was, my father sitting on my face. Yeah, We all do that. So the question is, offer your kids really useful things and you can't, you can't do any better for them. Not an easy thing to do, right? And yeah. a lot of people, especially if you have, and anybody listening right now as young kids, I hope you remember this. Because what you do has an impact. And if you take really good care of yourself, your kids will, your kids will see that day in and day out. And that will make yes. the, the probabilities greater that they, they will be healthier for longer. It's a gift. Yeah. Yep. Here, here's my... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're, no, no, I'm good. Like, here's my philosophy, right? And, and, I, and I really, I mentioned this a lot on my channel is... Like, in my opinion, the best thing that any human being can possibly ever do for themselves and the world and and their company, their job, their family is literally take care of themselves uh, physically, mentally, the whole circle that encapsulates encapsulates your life. Because if you do that, okay, you know, you can you can be better there for your family. You're in shape. So you have a better quality of life. You can be there. Um, you can, you can perform better at work. So you have more productivity, your company's better off, your family's better off and you're better off. So it's like kind of like a mutual win-win. And I just kind of look at, you know, I was born in this country and my, my parents are, are immigrants. And what I notice in this country is like the culture is centered around, Oh, just work hard, grind. And it kind of like rewards that grind mentality and, and self-sacrifice and, you know, sacrifice your physical, mental and family and everything for, you know, your career. And I'm just like, well, like, is that the best long-term solution? And I feel like now in our society, we're seeing an emergence of like attention to paying attention to mental health, which is huge. Yeah. I even see it like at, at, at my work and it's like, there's so much attention to physical health, but what about, okay, what about the mind itself? Isn't that like kind of the most important thing, really? The computer that powers our life, our thinking. I feel like this body is, it's like a tool, but the main CPU is the supercomputer, you know, our, our brain. Yeah, I, I agree. Take take charge of that. And and from the ground up, things will get better. It's not, it's, it's not as if, 
if you take good care of yourself in terms of these lifestyle issues, things are going to be easy. Oh, no, that's not going to happen that way. It just gives you more <laughs> available to yourself so you can manage everything mm -hmm. better. Because deprivation yes. generates irritability, generates relationships that are now going to be frazzled or fractured and all the, whether it's home or at work. So all of these things. So build a solid foundation and off you go. Think about one of the things that we forget about early on because it happens quickly. Life goes by quickly. Is that if you think about yeah. the way we're born, we're born with, obviously we don't have language language, but we have sensory language. So if you watch infants behave, yeah. what do they do? They eat when they're hungry. They stop eating when they're full. They fall mm -hmm. asleep when they're tired. They get up when mm -hmm. they're finished sleeping. And when they need to move, they move. And if they need for somebody to help them, they will cry to let them, you know, it's time to pick me up. I need to be experiencing my body in a different place doing something else, right? If we just allowed that to be, everybody would be okay. <laughs> but that's not what happened. Once you get stuck mm -hmm. around the dining room table with the family dynamics and the family rule book, all the stuff that you were born with, all that, all that basic sensory language, it's harder. Once you've changed it and lost it, it's harder to get it back than it is changing religions. That's how hard it is to make yeah. some of these changes. Family doesn't like it if you leave if you leave the family. You know, it's like if you're leaving the congregation and want to do something different, nobody's happy. You can't do that. What? You're becoming a vegan? Are you kidding me? I remember how upset my mom was <laughs> when I didn't eat her pot roast anymore. When I stopped eating them. Oh she, yeah. She got she got emotionally upset. It was like, you can't do this yeah. to me. We had a deal. I have to be your mom. You can't do this to me. I'm really upset now. I said, Mom, I don't need that anymore. Meanwhile, she would ask me that every year when I would visit her. She would have amnesia for last year and start the whole thing over again. That's how upset she got. So, it, yeah, yeah, the family dynamics are fascinating. But when it comes to your health, you have to ask yourself, is your health that important? Is your autonomy? I, I can relate. Oh, go ahead. No, no, finish what no, you were saying. It's your autonomy. Can you handle the, 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 the blowback you're going to get from lots of folks when you make changes that are not in keeping with their, it's not a psychotheological, their, their, their psycho, psychophysiological belief system, right? We'll, we'll, leave, we'll call it that. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you. I, I can relate. Oh, go, oh, go oh, ahead. No. Go ahead, doctor. Okay. I can relate. So like I, I come from a Middle Eastern background and, you know, we eat a lot of like meat and stuff. So I, I remember I tried going um, vegan for a, a few months and it just didn't sit well with the family because it's like in our culture, it's like, you know, like what, like you don't eat meat, like there, there's something wrong with you. Like what's, you know, they look at you like you you're have, just, you, you know, you've lost your mind. Violated a principle of God. It's almost that level of intensity. Yeah. Right. So, I can, so what, what eventually, yeah. did, did they maneuver you back into the congregation or are you able to get a little, little bit of distance or did you split the difference and go, I'm just going to eat less? Yeah. To be honest, I, I just kind of, I like, I, I eat less and now it's more, okay. I only eat like poultry foods. Okay a little bit of red meat, but like not as much, but me and my wife, just chicken and fish, uh, the, the beef and like the pork, it's like, you know, we eat that, but I, I tend to stay away from those meats. They're kind of, in my opinion, like one of the worst meats you could probably eat well, like, the pig or, or the cow meat. One of the, uh, the things that had a profound effect on me was watching what happened to my father. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, in addition to smoking, Tell us about your okay. father. He, he, he came from Russia when he was 13. And uh, so he had to learn a new language. He had to do all those kinds of things that um, happen when you change cultures. But he did, he did it really well, but it was difficult. So he ended up managing his stress through smoking cigarettes, which, which at that particular time, yeah. in the 1920s or something like that. Okay. So 
Wow. He ended up eating a diet that was your typical American diet, rich in red meats and, and sweet cream cheese, cheeses, and all, all the kind of stuff you shouldn't eat. So he eventually had to have yeah. cardiac bypass surgery. And he, he, was, oh, wow. he was scheduled to have a quadruple bypass. I think that's about as many arteries as you can do. He ended up only having one because these other three arteries were in such bad shape, they actually couldn't find places to graft onto. So he had basically a failed surgical procedure. And now he was basically living by uh, using blood thinners just to keep the blood flowing. Okay, so fast forward to his healing. We meet him for dinner with my mom and my wife, four of us went out to dinner. What is my father? eat at that first meal with us. What did he order? And the waiter came to the table and said, sir, what would you like? What do you think? Steak and French fries. He had just weeks earlier failed bypass surgery and he could not break away from that pattern. That's typical yeah. for people. They get stuck in this horrible thing, knowing that, I mean, you can't get more definitive information than he had. And I'm, I'm looking at that, I, I didn't even say anything because at that point in time, what, what am I going to say, right? So watching that there, I, he, he's not alone. Lots of people, they just, okay, I'm okay now, sort of. I can go back to doing what I'm doing because I've been treated by the doctors and the doctors gave me. Strange. I'm sorry yeah, about but that. But that's okay. But he managed to live 10 years after that, despite that condition. Wow. So, but, I'm, but just the idea that, even after that, how difficult it is for people to make those changes. There you go. My mom didn't help, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> she had nothing to do. She wasn't going to be feeding him, right? So life gets weird. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've heard that story many times before with just different people. Yeah, they, they undergo some surgery for you know, their heart, their arteries clogged or whatever. And then like, you know, you absolutely, you have to make a lifestyle change. You can't keep repeating that same behavior or else you're, you know, you got away with it once. It's like, okay, it's, I don't think it's likely that you'll get lucky next time. And it's, yeah, I definitely need a lifestyle change. Yeah, it's difficult, which is why the way this is structured, the, uh, the lifestyle intelligence LQ program is to have a lot of contact with you. Okay, because there are two things you need to have contact, you need to hear these things a lot. Because there's another process at work that causes and you would understand this a lot because of, of the whole psychotherapy psychological thing that you were talking about before how important our head is, and the conversations that we have in our heads. And we all know, and let, let me use a slang term at the moment, because I think it fits right here. We are all incredibly good at bullshitting ourselves. We can con ourselves out of anything <laughs> yeah. and we all know it, right? I know this, I'm saying this because yeah. I know, I listen to the stuff I, that's playing in my head sometimes. And I've managed to have another part of me say, uh, Lloyd, uh, we know that's a lot of, that's a crack. You know, it's the, the rationalization. The most important thing to realize when you're making changes in your life is that it's not a straight line. You don't start making yeah. changes and then be consistently good over time. That's never happening. But what is important to realize is it doesn't have to be. It's what happens most of the time that matters, which is why people who make New Year's resolutions and fail miserably at them is because they think that once they fall off the wagon, oh, damn, I screwed up again. I'll have to start it all over. No, it's okay. It's what it's getting back on the horse, get moving again. Once you know that three steps forward and a step back is okay, if the next step is forward again, then you have some leverage. There's a, there's a statistical yeah. concept called regression to the mean, where over time people tend to drift back to an average. So if you look at an average, if you look at an average, I heard that before, yeah. And they consistently perform at a, at a certain level over five or six years and then one year they have a breakout what's the probability of them doing that same thing the following year 
in most in most probability in, in the probability aspects of it, they'll probably drift back to what they did before because that was what happens most of the time. So as long so what so what we try to do is create a new mean, a new average, and that new average is okay. Three steps forward, two back. Four steps forward, another step back. So that most of the time now you're at a higher level of functioning. This way, you don't get upset if you screw up sometimes. It's okay. It's almost useful because if you find out you can come back from not doing well, that you have the ability to, to regroup, rejoin, and have that conversation with where you're now proud of yourself, that you're able to, to, to take a step back in after a, a difficult moment, now your whole sense of self has changed because now you have a new pattern. The pattern is, it doesn't matter if I, if I mess up a little bit because the trajectory is consistently going forward. That's why I show up five days a week yeah. to give you little bits of information incrementally and to remind you, notice those conversations where you're trying to con yourself, right? All those little subtle things that occur so frequently that you never hear them because you, they were there all the time. It's like peripheral vision. Yeah. You never notice it. It's like breathing. These are all physiological represent physical representations yeah. of the same concept. What happens most of the time goes unnoticed, which is why part of the importance yeah. of things like cognitive behavioral therapy is because it forces people to slow the process down and notice, notice the process in their head. And once you begin to notice the noise in your head and what you're telling yourself, I mean, we're, we're, fo we're focusing on one segment of that as opposed to some of the other stuff, but it's all the same thing. It's the process of noticing the conversations, especially the ones with yourself. Once you get that down, yeah. which is what the LQ app is designed to do, in addition to, uh, I mean, it's, it's designed to do a lot of things across the spectrum of consciousness, from the hyper-awareness state I want people in. I want them noticing the rhythm of their appetite. Yes. That's one of the things people pay no attention to, which is why they eat weight, right? So we'll yeah. do a bunch of different interesting things to get you to pay attention. Once you notice it a little bit more, and then a little bit more, then you begin to say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. And you notice you can kind of pull back a little bit, eating less, eating better. One of the things I noticed because I used to be a sugar junkie back in the old days, is that when I stopped ODing on yeah. sugar, I began to, re because like I said, Every so often, I eat some, too much, and I feel a very subtle feeling of discomfort, something I never noticed before because I was eating this crap all the time. Mm. And then as soon as it was taken away yeah. and then I, I ate too much of it, I went, okay, now I get it. My body was attempting to tell me, Lloyd, this ain't good. Stop doing this. That was, that was just a useful thing. Like, okay. Yeah. I fell back, but I got something, some benefit out of it. Like, it's time to not do this anymore, Lloyd. Wake up. This is stupid. So I've been there. So I know. My, a lot of what's happening that, I, that is a part of this is stuff that, that I've, I've had to deal with. So I understand. And uh, I, I've figured out a yeah. way to stay on top of myself so that I don't negotiate anymore. Right? You do it. Period. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. So, so Lloyd, can you tell us about your app from like start to finish how the process works? And you mentioned things like you said, the three steps, sensation, information, and motivation. Could you just describe the, each, the app each start one of those to finish? Three minute segments will focus on getting you in touch either, either all three of those bits, or I might focus on one thing. I might say, okay, let's, let's look at the structure of your eating and where is there a period of time when because of other things that you have to do that you can watch the evolution of how your hunger evolves during the course of the day. So, okay, you eat breakfast. When do you eat lunch, yeah. right? So six, seven, eight hours later, pay attention to what happens along the way and notice to when you really get hungry, right? There's something about watching it happen mm. in real time. And you can't eat in the, a lot of people eat because it's time to eat, right? Because that was part of what the way they're, 
But if you have opportunities to go stretches of time to monitor your sensory experience and you do it consistently, it's amazing how much effort you can, how much information you have and how much you can learn, right? How to cope with evenings, the single most difficult mm. moment in time for people in managing their lifestyle is nighttime. Number one, you're free from work, right? Nobody's bothering you. It's your playtime. Number two, you can get on your computer. You can do all that surfing around social mm -hmm. media, right? Meanwhile, all of those lights are flickering and causing you to stay up when you should be going to sleep. I point out every moment in the day where something is happening that you have to focus on. And I do it a little bit here, a little bit there. I come at these things in different ways at different times so that all mm. the things that you need to learn, all the sensations you need to be aware of, all the information you need to pay attention to, you have. Because it's all there. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to keep tickling you, because five days a week is a lot of time for somebody to come and bring these issues up to you. Yeah. In addition to that, so this is the spectrum on the spectrum of consciousness, which is, I want you more aware of this. I want you tuned in. I want your brain to be focused on this all the time so that you can make the best choices for yourself along the way. Now, we also have all of that stuff that I described early on, the peripheral processing, which is at the other end of consciousness. This is when I get you into a relaxed state. I get you at the edges of sleep. I get you so your conscious mind is removed. Mm -hmm. And then I provide you with positive suggestions to alter your patterns of thinking, mm -hmm. feeling, sensing, and behaving. These two pieces go together perfectly and they could not be more different. I mean, what, what you hear consciously and what happens listening to adult fairy tales where I get you out of your conscious state into the most relaxed state you can be in, right? Two things could not be more different, but yet they fit together perfectly. So, and by the way, don't think these things evolve independently of each other. And it wasn't until I had both of them in front of me that I said, you know, this fits together. They have to be put together because I think this is where mm. each of them can benefit from what the other is doing so that I can provide for people a template and a pattern of stimulation that can get them to a better place. I mean, what else is there? Everything is dependent on your yeah. I mean, you're, anybody's heard that before, right? but, but you come on, everything, what else is there? Yeah. If you don't have that, and everybody says it's always in the next day. Yeah, I'll get to it. I'm going to start this thing tomorrow. I mean, we all know tomorrow. There's no such thing as tomorrow. It's an illusion that your brain manufactures. <laughs> There's no tomorrow, yeah. right? It's we are we are time travelers, but only in our head. We remember the past. We imagine the future. Yeah, that time travel is limited to our heads. But the, one other thing to keep in mind that's really important that. Uh, I want to mention because I think it encapsulates everything is the fact that we are biological time machines. We have in our body 34 and a half trillion cells. I'll repeat that 34 and a half trillion. Each cell has a clock. Mm. Each clock is connected to the master clock in our brain. Think how much communication takes oh. place every moment in your life between each cell and your brain. We all know about the, the circadian rhythm stuff, right? The sleep cycles. Yeah, those are the big ticket yeah. items, but everything is being monitored. When we've heard that the, the saying timing is everything, but now, if we think about it, timing is everything. We think about it in terms of social, emotional stuff. Yeah. Right? 
Timing is everything. This happened just at the right time. Okay, great. And that's important too, right? But the idea that we're on the clock and to not pay attention to timing and how important all of these mechanisms are does ourselves an injustice. <laughs> my, my own belief is we are recreations of the universe, that we started out as a single cell and it exploded yes. into 34 and a half trillion cells, just like that the Big Bang started out at that same size and exploded into, maybe, maybe there, there is that same number of, of, of stars and planets in the universe, but we are amazing creatures. We need to appreciate who we are. Yes. Each one of us is a miracle, mm -hmm. right? Our brains and bodies are, we need to really appreciate that stuff. Took me a long time. <laughs> Took me decades and decades uh, to, to appreciate that. So, anybody out there? You, you know, you know that, that, yeah. that's amazing. No, that's-, that's Oh, go ahead, doctor. If people come away with nothing more than that, to appreciate who they are, how magnificent they are as this unique individual, then yeah, that's enough. They take that away and then they can take a little bit of bits and pieces of what I said and, and hopefully find some benefit from it. Yeah, it's just amazing that you mentioned that, that we were, you know, we started out that these little tiny cells, like for me, I'll just tell you like my background, I'm, I, I, have a I have a degree in mechanical engineering and just looking, I, I love technology, I appreciate it, but just looking at all the technology we have, okay, okay, example, you know, smartphone, I feel like for me recently, I just started really appreciating more that the greatest engineering that has ever existed is is the engineering, the intelligence that it took to create what we are and what the mind is. And okay, we're, you know, our society is very focused on, okay, are the technology we have, which is very rudimentary compared to what's taken millions upon millions of years and, and been perfected through evolution, nature, whatever you decide to believe, but the greatest computer, the greatest machine of all time is the human, right? The mind is like, you know, you, you spent your life studying psychology and I bet there's, there's still like, there's still infinite out there that we haven't even realized. And yeah, I really, I think it's amazing. The human body, the mind, uh, everything, it's the greatest machinery, the greatest technology. It, it, nothing compares to it nothing we have invented or in my opinion ever will invent will come close to it <laughs> i agree with you you couldn't have said it better yeah so I, that, that's that's amazing doctor I, I was just curious you know you mentioned like a, a word earlier but like dual induction and like the the gravity uh chambers I, i've actually there's like some places you can go around here i think they might be like like spas, but they have that. But I was very curious, um, just kind of rewinding, like how you got into that. What are some of the things that are the benefit of doing that? And you mentioned taking someone to like the, mm -hmm. their per the peripheral okay. edge of their vision or something. If you could me, just elaborate me, on that, I'm just very curious. More on one piece that that's really important. When I, when I was using the audio material that evolved out of the research that I've done with the, the flotation tank and people's experience and, and my own. Eventually, the tank as it was, which was the saline tank, we were floating on salt water. We, we ended up taking the salt water out of the tank and putting a water mattress in. So it became a dry flotation tank, allowing for, at that moment in time, people to get into a tank and listen to my audio material in that kind of environment which reduced outside stimulation, not completely, but substantially. So if people were to want to use my stuff in a traditional yeah. float tank or whatever float spaces are available, it, I doubt very much it would be set up so you'd be able to use headphones and, and do that in a wet tank, but that they would have to find out and whether you could actually bring your audio, the, the programs along and, and, and put them in there. But uh, uh, that was the way that evolved. And the, the, the dual induction came from a hypnosis workshop at simultaneously I, I was doing the work with the flotation tank, which eventually eventuated into the dry tank. And then eventually 
it was too expensive to keep that going. And then the audio programs were, were doing very nicely as a business in and of themselves. So they had their own life on their own and off they went and obviously still, still are around. Um, and hopefully we'll have a, a, a resurgence in the process of lifestyle intelligence, because I think they add to the, our ability to, to process information and facilitate change. Wow. Incredible. Uh, mm -hmm. So Lloyd question for you. If, if you could mm -hmm. talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Say 18 year old I would Lloyd. Say you're just beginning to get a, a sense of who you are. You're going to go through some rough times. There'll be moments you're really insecure. At this moment in time, you have no idea what you're capable of. Clearly don't have any of the confidence that you are going to have at another moment in time, but just keep the faith because you're going to be a lot different than you currently are. So don't worry about the anxiety. It's the normal process of personal evolution. So do what you can. It's all going to work mm -hmm. out. And um, you're going to find a woman who's going to be the right person for you to spend the rest of your life with. Wow. Yeah, my pleasure. That's amazing. Thanks for that. Because at that moment, it's 18 years old, going to college, and I was lost. You couldn't have been more insecure than me. You know, I looked around and everybody yeah. was smarter than me and a lot of people had ideas what they were going to do. And what did I know? I had no idea. Clueless, right? Uh, so lots of things had to happen. Yeah. And that at 18, I wasn't even close. The one thing I know for sure is I am glad I had no idea because at that moment in time, I would not have, I would not have had the confidence <laughs> to be able to handle anything that occurred to me subsequent because I didn't have the skill set or the, the emotional intelligence at that moment in time to be able to process that in a way, I would have been terrified. I can't do that. No way. Fortunately, I didn't know. So, but I like yeah. the question. That was a good question. I like that. I never thought about that that way, but that was good. Thanks doc. Yeah, th th that's amazing. I I'm with you. Um, so, and definitely like, I can tell you what you're doing now. I absolutely love it. It's, it's truly amazing. You, you've, you've, you've created something really innovative and you've definitely done a lot of great things with your life. So another question for you, if there were some books that you would wish you have read or recommended for your younger self to read or any books now that you'd recommend, if you could just huh. let us know what those are. One of the books that I really enjoyed, um, early on that kind of when I was in my um, consciousness exploration part of my life, Alan Watts, a philosopher, theologian, wrote a, a book with an incredibly pretentious title, but after you read it, you can appreciate it. It was called The Book, and it was all about enlightenment. And uh, that made, that opened up all kinds of pathways in my head to, to, to think about our lives and the way everything is connected together. Uh, in terms of my business, I enjoyed the, the work of um, Milton Erickson, who was a, uh, a psychiatrist, hypnotist, and he was the first person to bring the idea of telling metaphors and storytelling into psychotherapy as a way of indirectly giving people messages about a, just how to change their life because the message was always in the story, always in the metaphor, but the conscious mind didn't necessarily focus on it. So if I was to pick yeah. out two people who influenced me and whose work I think anybody would enjoy, it would be Alan Watts and Milton Erickson. Milton What, what was that name, M Milton? He said? S-O-N. He, he was a fascinating guy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely put a link to those guys in the, I I've seen, mm -hmm. I haven't read any Alan Watts, but I've heard his name mm -hmm. time and time again. I've seen some of his quotes. Some of the things he says, I, I really like 
um, v- very interesting fellow. I, I feel like he was also oh, like yeah. there was Absolutely. like a spiritual part of him. Um, like he he was kind of like I don't know may, maybe into like the the spiritual realm a lot, but he was also very you know science oriented as well. Oh, yeah, Thought that absolutely. was interesting. Absolutely, and and he wrote so beautifully. I mean, I I, I <laughs> he taught yeah. me something without him obviously ever knowing it, because whenever I read something that I was really impressed with, I said to myself, God. How would I love to be able to write like this? Somebody could sit down and knock this thing out. Then I heard an interview with Watts and somebody asked him about how he goes about writing. He says he gets up in, in the morning, drinks a couple of cups of coffee and sits down at his typewriter because this goes back to typewriter <laughs> days. And he says, and then I write for like seven hours. He says at the end of that time, if I have two pages I like, I think it was a successful day my brain exploded because I thought that this guy sat down and if he wrote for seven hours, he would end up having a minimum of 20 pages of stuff and every, everything would be perfectly written and beautifully said. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, he had to work at it. There's hope for me <laughs> because the whole model I had about people who were yeah. really successful is they did it came really easily. You didn't really have to work really hard to do something. So there's little bits and pieces of stuff can go a long way to change your whole model of reality, impact you in ways you never thought possible. Who would think like some little bit from an interview completely changed my way of myself in terms of what I needed, what I needed to do. Well, if he was doing that, of course, I need to do the same thing, whatever it is that I do. You gotta work at it. Yeah. Work hard. Yeah. But but keep yourself healthy and everything you do will be done much better. See the way I snuck that in at the end here, right? <laughs> People don't appreciate appreciate yeah. yourself, folks. Come on, it- really appreciate. Do you appreciate yourself enough to take exquisite Preach. care of yourself? Yeah, because you deserve it. <laughs>